Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Knowing about God from your classes or history or church will never bring you spiritual maturity. That's why people have been confused in the church. You say to somebody, how you doing? Wonderful. How long have you been a Christian? 48 years. Are you mature? Absolutely. 48 years. Oh, that means nothing. That means nothing. You can have a person that's been a Christian two years that's going way more than you at 48 years. Doesn't have to be the way. But see, maturity is not related to that. There are absolute truths, and the Bible reveals many of the truths about God as well as truths about how we can have a healthy relationship with Him. That's why we walk through each book of the Bible here on Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark, so we'll get to know the truths about God. He created us to have a relationship with Him, and even though we often neglect God and choose to live life on our own terms, He never gives up on us, and He provided a way to renew our relationship with Him in Jesus. Spending time in His Word will help this relationship and maturity grow. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, with our continuing study entitled, Assured, Encouraged, and Warned. Now, Pastor Mark, why do we want to do all those things? What is the goal of knowing the Word and obeying the Word? What is the goal? Look at verse 17. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped... For every good work. You see, as we apply God's word, we will be successful in finding the purpose of life for your life. The purpose of ministering. And we will learn to become like Jesus and to minister like Jesus and to think like Jesus. Understand the goal, and you'll see these three stages of spiritual maturity this morning. The goal is to become more and more like God. Now, When we're in church, we really focus on three things. We get this from the book of Acts. Why are you here in this church? Well, number one, we're here for the church's upward. In other words, it's worship, just like you've done at all the campuses this morning. We're worshiping God. We've come to realize that he's God and we're not. So there's somebody worth worshiping, and that's God. It's not you, it's not me, it's not the bands. It's God. The second part of a church is not only upward, but it's inward. That's what we're doing now. We're studying. We're asking God to show us the word so I can learn it, know it, and then apply it in my life. I'm growing. It's inward. But there's a third one. It's outward. It's taking what we learn and living it outside the church. That's the salt 
That's the light. The purpose of the church isn't for us just to be a nice little family here and get together and sing kumbaya. It's to go outside the door because, as Jesus said, the fields are white. That's why we did the adoptive verse. So we're taking it thousands of miles away that people you and I will never see so they can have the word of God. Now, everything I just, those four things I just gave you this morning, they're clueless. That's the way most of the world lives. They're trying to do it without any direction from God. Now, go back where you had your finger, 1 John 2, 12, and let's talk about this first children. There's two children terms used in this passage. The first one is very different. It's really God's children. This first verse, verse 12, is written to everybody in the church. Everybody in the church. That's Christian. Let me read it to you. I write to you, remember John's an older person so he can say this, dear children. He's like a super, super old grandfather. I write to you, dear children, in other words, God's children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his names. Your sins have been forgiven because there's only one name under heaven by where a man may be saved, the name Jesus. John is writing to all believers, and he's saying to them, I'm assuring you, you're a child of God. You absolutely have had your sins forgiven because you asked Jesus, the only one that can forgive you of your sins. Now, John would write it another way. In earlier book, John, just his name, not first John, just John. Take a look. You know this verse. Notice what John says here. Yet to all, say it with me, all. Who's all? Everyone, everyone that does this. Yet to all who received him acknowledged Jesus as the Savior. To those who believed in his name, the name equals what he stood for, died on the cross for our sins, took our place, he gave the right to become children of God. Be assured this morning, if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, and and you've received him, and He has come to live inside you. Be assured this morning, not only are your sins forgiven, not only are you going to heaven, but this morning, you're a child of God. You have a heavenly father who's in heaven. That's a huge thing. You're not, you're never going to be alone. You have God. So John writes that, but I need to warn you with that amazing truth. There are, from God's viewpoint, there's only two Spiritual families that exist. The family of God and the family of Satan. Everybody's born in the family of Satan. Some of you this morning have never transferred. But God is here and he wants to offer you an opportunity, which I'll give you at the end, to join his family. All you have to do is repent, believe, receive, and become. That is the step you want to take to become a child of God. Now, look at verse 13. We move on. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, this is a different children, because you have known the father. So let's talk about these terms. Children, those young men, and fathers. That is not a category. Uh, fathers of 62 and above, children 12 and under. This is not a, these are spiritual kind of, when you look at it, it's spiritual stages in a person. So the first one, here's what you're going to write all the campuses. In this verse, when he says to you, I write to you, dear children, here's what he means. Write it down. Children, 
new baby believers. This is a person who just comes to Christ. Why is he writing to them? Well, he wants to assure them. Now, Peter wrote an amazing verse. Look what Peter says to these spiritual babies. By the way, every person starts in this stage. A baby, a new believer. You could be 78 years old and you become a Christian today. Sorry, but you're a baby. Sounds a little funny, but whatever. That's what it is. Now, now notice what Peter says. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk. In other words, you need to be fed. And I put in there the milk of the word. It's the word of God. So that by it, notice, notice the point. You will grow up, not in age, not in muscle, not in brain, in your salvation. In other words, as a young child, baby, when they start, every one of us start, they need the milk of the word. What is that? It's the basics of Christianity. Notice the goal, to grow spiritually. Every infant, every new believer needs to grow spiritually. Now, it's critical that you know you have a part of this. Many of you don't understand that. Let me just remind you. These new babies need the ABCs of the Christian life. Because they're vulnerable to Satan. When a person accepts the Lord, and I'll go through this very quickly. When a person accepts the Lord, what family, let's see how you answered on all the campuses. And what family was he part of when he, just before he accepted the Lord? What family? Family of Satan. So when he leaves the family of Satan and he accepts a Christ, become a Christian, he comes in which family? Family of God. Good. Now Satan goes, way to go. Good move. Do you, th- you, think, you think Satan's going, proud of you, man? Do you, do you actually think so? No, what is Satan's goal? Let me remind you, John 10, 10, to steal, to kill, and destroy. By the way, what you saw this week, that is not God. That's Satan. Ever since sin entered the world, steal, kill, and destroy. Don't ever blame that on God. So, when they transfer into that kingdom, who's after them? Satan. So, let me give you an illustration, and I think, I think this will be huge for you. We have a young baby that's dropped off at the church, an infant, right here. And I talk about it, and then we all leave. How many of you would kind of hang around to see if somebody picks up that baby? Let me see your hand. I know you women definitely would. If you're a grandpa, you're right here. We have that happen every week. But many people just head out to the parking lot. Haven't I? Oh, yeah, three people got saved today. Should have been 20, but three. That's okay. Well, let me ask you a question now. Who's going to help them? Are we going to leave them on their own? You can't leave them on. You would never leave this baby. In your wildest imagination, you never leave a baby here if they dropped them on your doorstep. You'd do something to get them somewhere to be fed and help. Immediately you would. But we'd just go, hey... Pretty busy this week. Have a nice life. Praise God. And here's what I see happen. And don't take this wrong, but I know you won't do it this morning. When I do an altar call, I see people headed right to the parking lot. First stop out, baby. You won't do that this morning. You'll be too embarrassed to do it at all our campuses. Praise God. Now, why should you not do it? Because see, all you're thinking about is who? You have no idea what's happening here. You should be praying, God, thank you for these people that came forward. Now, here, let me show you so you know what happens. When people come forward, 
whether it's down at the middle of the service or at the end or however we do it, eventually, like usually this morning, I'll just say, come and see me after the service. But sometimes we have them all come down like we did it here. Here's what happens. They go to the prayer room. We have a group of people trained to pray with them, counsel them. We give them instruction material. We, sh- we have classes, 101 to the 701, that they get plugged into so they can be growing. These are the ABCs. Takes them a while to do that. And we try to get them plugged into a group. We tell them when the next water baptism is. We try to get them connected to you. And see, that's where you have to come in. Some of you know these people that come. Well, don't leave it to them. You call them. You encourage them. You invite them to your home group. You be looking to be active in their life. Get into the counseling ministry. Get into the altar call people. See, that's where you come in. We can't leave them to fend for themselves. We don't do that. Now, let me give you a a cautionary, and this should challenge all of us. In Mark chapter 4, we have a picture of people coming to Christ. 75% of them fall away. Three out of every four fall away for lots of reasons. So we have to be pretty intentional. Now, we can't keep them, but we can sure outline a path to love them. Amen? Why would you want three quarters of them to walk away? No, it's spiritual warfare. So we have a huge role with these people. You understand that. Now, look at verse 13 and verse 14. We move to the next spiritual category. I write to you, young men. This is going to be young people, men and women. Because you have overcome the evil one. Notice, he, he's congratulating them. He's encouraging them. I write to you, young people, because you are strong. And watch this. And the word of God, here it is again, lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Now, here's what you want to write down. These are young people, not 17 to 31. These are young people in the faith. Notice, young in the faith, but growing spiritually to maturity. It is not about age, although I'm going to adopt it to that in a moment. These young people in the Lord are are growing. They're on a path of spiritual maturity. Notice, they've already battled with Satan and his temptations. But notice this, they won And we want to look at that. They had learned how, as maturing believers, they're not infants anymore, they're not new believers, they're moving along, they've learned somehow to live victorious as these young people. Now, when you begin to think about that, they need to be encouraged even more. Now, in this church, I'm going to stop in a moment and talk about young people. Do you understand the world that we have this morning for our our young people? is very different than the world 30 years ago that we lived in. And it's very different than 2,000 years ago. We have MTV and Twitter and Facebook and this generation. Staying pure in that kind of a generation is what? Woo! It's very different. You and I watch TV and we look, what is that? It's amazing. But notice here, John writes to these people in that age, because some of you think young people in the church can't ever really grow and be pure and powerful believers. You're wrong. And John writes to this group of people and these young believers and says, go for it. You're doing it. Right today, we have a ton of our junior high and senior high at a conference over in Tampa. They're not even around here. They're over there and it's called Acquire the Fire. Yeah. 
See, these young kids that we have that are in the junior and the senior, and so they're in our schools, they're interacting with people, they're in clubs, people are coming to the Lord, good stuff happening. Instead of complaining about them, look at the hair, look at the tattoo, let's give them a clap this morning and go, yeah, go for it. Exactly, exactly. Put your arm around them, pray for them. Way different for them than it was for us. But John writes, you've defeated the enemy. Awesome. Well, how did they do it? Let me show you. Keep your finger right there again. Turn to Psalm 119. When you turn to Psalm 119, we begin to see the word again in all of our lives. Now, remember, this is not just about young people, you know, 15 to 23 or whatever. This is about young believers who are maturing. But look at Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Here's the answer. By living according to your word. I will seek you with my all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my head. Is that what it says? No. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God says the solution to defeating the enemy is to get the word in your heart. Let me take a sidebar. You and I will never be successful in our maturing process by just putting the word in our head. We need to know it. Definitely we need to know it. I'm teaching you. But it has to go from your head to your heart to your feet. How do we do that? It's called sticky notes. Every Monday afternoon on our website will be eight things for you to think about, apply the principles. We have four or five other people who write this every single week. They take turns. You can't leave here and go, well, i put it in my pad. Look at this. There's my notes. Man, praise God. When will you ever look at them again? Well, I don't know. There they are. I love you taking notes. You should take notes. Ton of you don't take notes. You know how much you remember when you leave here? That's about how much you remember. Nothing. So you can apply it. When you get to sticky notes, does Balmer say that? Well, yeah, that was point number three. Oh. I- I'm trying to teach you. I love you. But you can't just do it here. You have to apply it. So get yourself into a community group. Get yourself into a small group. Get four of you together. Do the sticky notes. That's how this works. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this week in Boston? If all those guys that did this amazing things that happened, the amazing thing that happened, all of those guys passed all of their education, police, FBI, they passed it all with their head, but had no practical experience. How do you think it would have ended? But see, they, they knew because they had experienced this how to do it. That's what I'm trying to challenge you with today. Now, when you think about that, look at these words quickly. I'm going to go through them. Here's what the Bible says. Watch, Colossians. Let the word, the Bible, dwell in you richly. It becomes part of us. As you teach and admonish one another with the wisdom. See, anybody that uh, has a conversation, if God opens a door, you begin to share. Well, this is the principle I word, and I'll share with one. This is the principle that I learned, and here's what we learned last week from Pastor Mark. I can't be at outs with people in the church and say I love God, so I have to kind of get that thing in my marriage, I all the different plays we talked about last week. Look at the next ones quickly. Put on salvation as your helmet 
and take the sword of the spirit. The way I defeat Satan is with the word of God. So here's what I want you to write. All of our campuses, knowing and obeying the word is what brings victory and spiritual maturity. So John says to these young believers, right on. I'm encouraging you, man. Go for it. Good job. You've learned to defeat the enemy. By the way, we'll learn a little more next week. Jesus, the minute he headed into ministry, his heads into the wilderness. 40 days of temptation by Satan. Three times he defeated Satan by quoting the word of God and then submitting to it. See, you just can't quote it. You have to submit to the plan of God. If you're ever going to live in victory, you must have a good knowledge of the word of God, then obey it, then apply it, and then live it. It's a process. Now, we've taken brand new Christians. We've taken young, young Christians that are maturing. Now we're going to go to the, to the fathers, the older mature. Proverbs 29, 20, verse 29. I want to see where you fit at all of our campuses right now. Here's what it says. The glory of young men is in their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. <laughs> Look around you. What do you see there? You see young men or, or do you see gray hair? Nothing to be ashamed of. Their muscles aren't quite the same anymore. Those of you that are bald, I, I think you're out of the Bible. I don't know what really happened there. It's, sorry. And those of you that don't have gray hair... Somebody's helped you. I know your age. All right, no. Let's go back to let's go back to First John verse chapter two verse thirteen. Watch the transfer. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him, God, who's from the beginning. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him, verse fourteen, who is from the beginning. I read that and I think John's got Alzheimer's. Well, it's the same thing twice. No, what he's making is an emphasis. As you mature in the Lord, the thing that's important is that you experientially know God and you keep knowing God. It's not anything, it's it's the foundation of your life. Write it like this this morning. This third category are mature people. Fathers, people mature in their faith. How did that happen? Years of walking with, listening, and obeying God. See, they knew God. They just didn't know about God. They absolutely knew God. There's a huge difference between religion and relationship. Knowing about God from your classes or history or church will never bring you spiritual maturity. That's why people have been confused in the church. You say to somebody, how you doing? Wonderful. How long have you been a Christian? 48 years. Are you mature? Absolutely. 48 years. Well, that means nothing. That means nothing. You can have a person that's been a Christian two years that's going way more than you at 48 years. Doesn't have to be the way. But see, maturity is not related to that. So how do you really get to know someone? John says, these people are mature, really know God. How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. My wife knows me. I know my wife. 47 years this year. How would I know that? Because I'm a smart guy. Would you leave a newborn baby lying on a cold street corner by himself? No, you wouldn't. Pastor Mark used this illustration in today's message to teach us that we shouldn't do that either when someone becomes a Christ follower. 
They're like a newborn baby, and the enemy is waiting to snatch them away. As Christ followers, we should be the ones to help them grow in their relationship with God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark teaches us how to fight the spiritual fight that is all around us. If we ever want to live in victory, you must have a good knowledge of the Word of God, then obey it, then apply it, and then live it. Just going to church is not enough. You must surround yourself with Christ followers that will encourage you and help you learn more about God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for this 